Lightning Lee Murray wanted to be world champion in the UFC. He just happens to be involved in the largest cash robbery in the world. He's definitely not sane. <laughs> Showtime Sports presents the unbelievable true story about the MMA fighter who pulled off one of the largest heists in history. Huge amounts of money, armed gang, disguises, kidnapping. This is the sort of thing you see in Hollywood films. We've never seen that for real. Catching Lightning, streaming Friday, April 7th, only on Showtime. Streaming with Paramount+. Plus. As if the McCrispy couldn't get any better, Bacon and Ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispy, available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello again, Broncos country, and welcome to another edition of the Orange Weekly pregame podcast. We are taking on the Jacksonville Jaguars, who had a terrible showing against the Houston Texans, and we are about to roll in 1-0 against the Jacksonville Jaguars. We're so excited about this game, and we are about to break it down just for you. Also, if you guys haven't heard, we have announced that we are officially part of the Pigskin Podcast Network, so make sure you are following them on all of your social media sites. We are so excited to break down this game and be excited about the the partnership that we have with the Pigskin Podcast Network. Hopefully you guys enjoy, sit back, relax, and enjoy another edition of the pregame podcast. Orange Weekly. Fans, brews, and Broncos news. All right, here we are, David. Man, good to here be back with you, Jared. Thanks for uh, – I missed you last week. I'm glad you were able to come back this week. It's, it's not You know what, I'm, I'm glad I'm back too. But you know what, we're missing Matt, and I, I do I – do, we need to get the trio back. We need to get the band back together eventually, and I think it will happen here in the next couple of weeks. It will. Yeah, we'll get, we'll get the trio, the three of us. It's not the same without the three of us ever. Um, Kevin, you know – the post-game podcast host, uh, who I will no longer name, uh, but helped us fill in for you last week. Couldn't fill your shoes. Um, glad to have you back. But like, yeah, like you said, it, it would be nice to have all three of us here. And hopefully we'll get that together for you guys real soon. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about that. Um, but hey, look, we're 1-0. and and, and the, if you go back and listen to the post-game podcast, they talk about a lot of what we saw in the post-game what we saw against New York Giants, and there's a lot to be excited about, David. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the offense just looking something other than futile was a start, but actually going from just not futile to actually, you know, then serviceable to might be good this year is, you know, really, really intriguing. Obviously, the injury to Jerry Judy uh, maybe takes away some of the excitement there, but. You know, if Teddy Bridgewater develops the level of chemistry with these other receivers that he had with Judy, and it was obvious, you know, all through the preseason, all even you know in during the game before Judy, Judy got injured, um, if he develops that with the other receivers, and I don't think they're really that far off, it's going to be it, it could be a really special season for Broncos country. Something I think that you know maybe even surpasses what we thought the ceiling for the team was when we started. And not for nothing, Teddy Bridgewater was a 95.7 uh, pro football star, 
top of the league in week one, which is absolutely amazing. And not only that, but we we hung seven on the board. We left seven on the board with the Okawabenam fumble. He made up for it on that fourth and one, which is amazing. Uh, And if you guys want to hear more about that, go check out the uh, post-game podcast. But hey, we're here to talk about the Jacksonville Jaguars and... And what we expect, what we expect from the Denver Broncos against Jacksonville Jaguars, is it more or less of what we kind of saw against the New York Giants? Uh, I would say more. Um, just in that, and let's start the, um, excuse me, let's start the matchup on the offensive side of the ball this week for the Broncos. Um, our offense, I think, matches up against their defense very, very well. The Giants' defense was able to play us close for most of that game because they've got really, really good players up front. Um, our, our interior offensive line, I don't want to say got manhandled at times, but it wasn't their best game as a group. Um, and I don't think that you've got the same kind of names going forward against, uh, Jacksonville that you had to worry about against the giants. You've got Malcolm Brown uh, and Roy Robertson Harris, uh, as the, as the two starting defensive ends, Taven Bryan, their first round pick from a couple of years ago, not even a starter for them at the moment. Um, nose tackle, and they do play a 3-4 base, Devon Hamilton. Uh, you know, it's just it's a far cry from the days when Calais Campbell was helping to rush the passer um, and Malik Jackson was down there and there was all kinds of havoc on, the, on that defensive line. It's just it's they really started over um, at every position there uh, this offseason, and I don't think the Broncos are going to have any difficulty up front, Jared. What about you? Do you think the offensive line – uh, gets going a little bit more this game and especially helps out with the run game a little more. Well, absolutely. And I think the interior defensive line is really going to be where or giants. I still believe to this day, whether you look at the stats or not, the defensive line, interior defense line, New York giants is still one of the top five in the league. And I think you kind of saw it a little bit uh, against us. You saw some of our interior, you know, uh, Glasgow or not Glasgow, um, Cushionberry kind of had a little bit of a rough game. Um, and, and there, there were some times that you saw the interior get some pressure. We're not going to see an interior defensive line like that. I don't, I don't think for the rest of the season, really. And I, I think that this is the game that we're really going to bounce back. I think you're going to see a lot of run game. Uh, I, I expect uh, Williams to have a big game with Gordon. Uh, I was, exp- I was, I'm not going to lie. I was kind of, um, Bring the fact that they they split the carries between Gordon and Williams pretty yeah. evenly. Yeah. Right. And I, I was expecting Gordon to get the the fair share and maybe like 80, 20, maybe 70, 30. But there was really, really a 50, 50 split on the carries. And that that just shows how much this coaching staff believes in our rookie uh, in our rookie running back to be able to carry that load and put in whoever it is, no matter who it is in the backfield. Um, to be able to run that play, which I think is super exciting. But I, I expect a much bigger running game outside of the 70-yard touchdown um, that Melvin Gordon had. Uh, we, we were really kind of stagnant in the run game, and we kind of had to def- to eye on our pass game uh, in that game. Yeah, you're right. But I also do expect the run game to take off a little bit. I think you saw, even though they were stymied a little bit, I think you saw Javante Williams' ability to keep the ball rolling uh, after initial contact, um, I think you saw Melvin Gordon doing his thing to kind of just grind away at a defense and then eventually spring a, a big one. Uh, you know, they were able to contribute against the Giants. I think they're going to be able to do more than contribute against the Jacksonville Jaguars. I think they're going to be able to dictate the line, terms at the line of scrimmage. 
I think they're going to be able to kind of do what they want a little bit up front, and it's going to help them do everything, run game included. Um, I, I think I don't want to say we'll see more balance because they really did try try to call a balanced game between run and pass against the Giants, but I do think you'll see a little bit more effectiveness uh, with that balance this upcoming week. Um, what do you think? Uh, who do you think the matchups are in the in the secondary um, versus our offense? You know, as we talked about, Jerry Judy not going to be playing. Um, uh, going to be sidelined for four to six weeks with this high ankle sprain. I think I speak for everybody, obviously, who saw the injury live and in saying, man, that's lucky because it looked like he had no ankle left. It looked like one of those injuries where his foot was just facing a way that it shouldn't face. Um, and so, yeah, it's a testament to, I guess, how springy his joints are that it ended up <laughs> being a sprain and not a you know break or total annihilation. Um, but yeah, he, he'll be on the sideline for a while. What do you think um, against this secondary we'll, we'll expect? Well, are there any matchups that you like? Any any players that concern you for Jacksonville? Yeah, so I, I'll say this. Uh, on the uh, Bourbon Broncos No BS show on Tuesday night on Facebook, Instagram, and uh, Twitter, I, I'd mentioned that the Jacksonville secondary is scary. And I might be living in the past a little bit here, David. I I think I don't think that they're as scary as they once were, right? Like, mm-hmm. their 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 middle linebackers, their linebackers, their linebacker core has some has some people. But um, Shaquille Griffin, who was, you know, the, the story going into Seattle, not not so much to cut it out of Seattle. And the opposite, you had uh, C.J. Henderson, who's not. I'm not going to say a terrible corner, right? He has he has he good. has his ability. But yeah, and then uh, yeah, but he, he doesn't, doesn't he doesn't make the plays. Yeah, he doesn't really then, want to be there either. And now now you're talking depth is Tyson Campbell, who is a uh rookie out of Georgia, um s- selected in the second round, not doing great against the Houston Texans and Tyrod Taylor, not doing great so far. I you know, you're talking about our our wide receiver course, Sutton Patrick and Hamler as our top 3. There, I do not think that there's a way that this cornerback, this defensive back core, um, with you know, with the safeties of uh, Rashawn Jenkins and Andrew Wingard, who I feel like, like they're kind of no names, right? And they're expected to come up in the Urban Meyer in the Urban Meyer uh, defense. I do believe that we have such an advantage. Mm. With our wide and 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 we mentioned this on the Raiders podcast, and I hate to do the plug, right? Make sure you go follow Raiders because we're four and zero right now. But we mentioned this on the Raiders podcast. This exact thing, like there's not many defensive backs. There's not very many core defensive backs that's going to match up against our wide receivers. There's just not. Yeah. Now it's whether or not Teddy Bridgewater can deliver what he did against the New York Giants week after week. That's a different question. But there's not a lot of defensive backs that can keep up with Tim Patrick, Cortland Sutton, and, and Hamler. And oh, not to mention we're missing our number two slash number one, Jerry Judy, who who can break anything. With without him, we still have one of the best receiving cores in the league. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I, I'm looking at what the Houston receiving core did to this Jacksonville secondary. You've got Brandon Cooks, uh, five catches for 132 yards. Uh, you've got Pharaoh Brown, four for 67. You've got Danny Amendola, who, if you told me he was retired, 
I'd be like, yeah, fucking duh. Yeah, it sounds Danny right. Danny Amendola's yeah. been retired for like two or three years. What are you talking about? Uh, no, Danny Amendola had five catches for 34 yards and a touchdown. Uh, the my If I had to make a bold prediction for this game, it would be that K.J. Hamler wipes out the complaints from that Giants game because I think Hamler's going to have some opportunities deep, and I think he's going to catch him this time. Uh, he's going to get behind the defense a couple, three times, I think, and there's going to be some opportunities to make him pay deep. Um, yeah, I, they've got, let's see, edge rushers. They've got Caleb on chase on their first round pick from last year. Josh Allen, you, you know, that's the, that's, I think maybe if there's a quote unquote strength of this defense, I think it's maybe those guys. Um, but you know, I don't know. When Josh Allen was drafted, it was to be a 4-3 defensive end. Now he's playing outside linebacker in a 3-4. Um, Caleb on chase on, that's his more natural position, I think, is 3-4 outside linebacker. I just, you know, is uh, Joe Cullen, their first-year defensive coordinator, is he going to bring these disparate pieces together? Uh, he comes over from the Baltimore Ravens. Um, I don't know if there's any stats about what kind of coverages they played last week against the Texans. But if he brings that school of thought over from Baltimore, they're going to play a lot of cover zero. It's going to be a lot of man coverage with no help on the back end. And that to me, again, we were just, I was just talking about KJ Hamler, big time opportunities seem like they're going to be there for him. I mean, absolutely. I mean, and, and we all, we, we all saw it, right? We all saw the big, the big drop, but David, as you mentioned on the show, there, there's no like right after that play. I feel like it was in the next drive. He catches a huge third down catch over the middle, uh, jumping out of the air to catch the ball. Like that was a focus catch that's going to happen, right? Yeah. And we're going to get there. The fact that we still were able to drop that and win the way we did says something about our team. But there's there's something too to be said that that maybe our turnovers. Right, we we were driving the ball, and our scheme was there, and that the delivery was there. The turnovers probably could be could be a little better. Absolutely, you can't have those in the red zone, especially. And Alberto, you know, again made up for it later in the game, but it's it's the kind of thing you never want to have um, as an offense, and the kind of thing that has happened in the past, and. You know, like we were saying a little earlier on the Bourbon Broncos No BS show, could have been the kind of thing that derailed the game. Could have been the kind of thing that added to this other thing that added to another thing, you know, with a 15-yard penalty on the next drive. And then suddenly you're down two scores. You know, right. it, it, it could have snowballed out of control very easily for us. But instead, the team responded by going touchdown to end the first half, touchdown to begin the second half with a huge long drive to begin that second half too. We ate up. I looked at the second, the third quarter clock when the giants had their possession for the first time. And I had to double check. Is this their first possession of the half? There's like six minutes left in I... the third quarter. It was, it was pretty ridiculous. So if the Broncos can maintain that against again, and we're talking about on paper, but what looks like a lesser defense, their chances of winning this game just skyrocket exponentially. Well, and it's crazy because I feel like this is what the Broncos' plan has been all along. The intention is to drive the ball, get the first down, move on to the next game, right? Move on to the next play, get the yeah. get the drive, get the first down, move on to the next play. Which is why I feel like you saw us going forward on fourth down. 
it went three for three on fourth down, which is amazing. One of them was on the two yard line. That's the Oka Wabinom touchdown. But there was one on the 50-yard line that I, I – I remember being at the halftime hash and being like, that was the ballsiest call I think I've seen. <laughs> and, and and we're, talk, we're talking – I was here for the Shanahan offense, which made some ballsy-ass calls. 50-yard line, that was the ballsy-ass call. Yeah. I, I cannot believe that we made that. And and not only that, but but delivered. And, anybody, um, anybody who doesn't think that Vic Fangio doesn't know the stakes – if if you think Vic Fangio doesn't know the stakes for what you know what's at stake for him personally this year this September this month you're crazy he knows exactly Absolutely. what's going on and I think oh, it's, yeah. you know I said this in the last pregame podcast he's not I don't think a coach that wants to be conservative on offense I don't think he's ever been that guy I think he we've seen it with Drew Locke at quarterback too he wants to take shots down the field he wants to be aggressive he knows as a defensive coach that the most effective thing an offensive can, offense can do is hit those deep shots, is prove oh. to your defense that you can cover and scheme as much as you want to, but our guy can still beat your guy when it comes down to making the play 30 yards down the field. And there's nothing that, there's nothing that hurts a defense more. So I think he wants to do that. He wants to be that guy who goes for it on fourth down to show those aggressive instincts, and now he thinks he has a team that can carry it for him. Well, and and now you're talking about a defensive a defensive coordinator for however many years coming mm-hmm. into as a head coach, and he realizes not only that, but he realizes his defense needs rest. You yeah. can't go three and out, and I think that's what we saw last year. We saw it last year. You go three and out, and our defense just cannot hold on. Like they cannot be on the field for eighty percent of the plays. And and uh, his calls for going on a fourth down, obviously, it worked out for us three for three. It might be a different story if we we're sitting here. You know, if you went one for three it might be a different story and we might be having a different podcast but it didn't and and entirely that that rests on teddy bridgewater and i think teddy bridgewater really showed up to be able to make those plays uh that that coach fangio wanted to make and so what i think we need to talk about specifically with steady teddy is that that nickname steady teddy i think it needs to now refer specifically to a confidence a coolness under pressure that comes out in game situations as well as, you know, in interviews and whatnot. And it needs to not refer to a guy who plays it safe, uh, who is always just looking for a check down because yeah, he, I think he can, he completed half his passes to tight ends or wide receivers. Uh, but between 10 and 19 yards, uh, uh, that, tar- that area of the field targeting that area of the field this week, he was seven of seven for like 115 yards and a touchdown. So I don't want to hear this. Teddy won't stretch the ball down the field. He's only looking to check it down. Teddy Bridgewater wants to be as aggressive, I think, as Vic Fangio does. And they are looking to choose their spots. They're looking to do it carefully. But this is an offense that is going to do that kind of shot play more often than people think this year. Yeah, and I- – I'll, I'll look at the box score on this, but um, I'm 90% sure there's only like three three passes to running backs. Yeah. There's only three passes to outs. Like he, his entire goal was to get to tight ends and wide receivers. Downfield, Noah Fant, killer game, mm. right? Jerry Judy. And the other thing that I want to say about this, and this isn't the post game podcast, so I'm sorry that we're going into this, but like it's exciting. The other thing is he just spread the ball around. Yeah. Like, it did not matter who it was, like very reminiscent of some of your top quarterbacks, right? Like, 
Aaron Rodgers, uh, Tom Brady, and 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 not to completely put him in the same in the same category, but he is spreading the ball around to the open receiver. It didn't matter who it was. Our backup tight end got a touchdown. Our backup tight end got five or six targets. Noah Fant got four or five. Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, they they all were getting their looks based on the scheme, based on what he was looking at. And that's what I love. That's what I love to see. Well, and I think to apply it to this next game, it it is going to show up against the Jaguars because I think multiple targets are going to be open at different points in the game. He's going to be able to feed different receivers. Uh, I think that Noah Fant's run after catch potential is going to be very, very good uh, for this game. Uh, But, you know, Tim Patrick is going to have opportunities. KJ Hamler is going to have opportunities. Cortland Sutton may come alive during this game. Um, It's, I think I'm excited to watch this offense perform legitimately excited to watch this offense, what what this offense can do. But you're telling, you're telling me right now that our top tight end right now is our second tight end. Albert O has, has, more touchdowns, obviously, but less less yards. But uh, Noah Fant has more yards, and you're talking about any one of these guys can break it off. They do not have the personnel. Jacksonville Jaguars do not have the personnel to cover every single one of our receivers. Loki could be the Eric Salbert revenge game, uh, cut by Jacksonville and his spot given to Tim Tebow, uh, who was a publicity signing from start to finish, and it was. A- painfully obvious from his preseason footage uh he didn't belong out there and eric salbert made a 53-man roster on what is a really talented 53-man roster too uh so you know jacksonville needing tight end help maybe maybe salbert gets some opportunities some some special looks in the in the end zone or in the red zone from from pat Shermer there but yeah it's it's i think it's going to be real interesting and to and to beat the beat the media on this, Salver was cu- brought on as a blocking tight end. That's right. He was he, he was not brought on as a guy to go out and he, and he still is getting the targets. Yeah. Right. Um. I, I I just don't know how to I don't know how to explain it, but Teddy Bridgewater knows how to feel it, and I think against a Jacksonville Jaguars defense who has maybe one or two guys that can that can play in coverage, I think he's going to be able to find those empty empty spots. You know, I think it's the 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 experience that we were sold with Joe Flacco that was never going to be a thing <laughs> is actually maybe possible with Teddy Bridgewater this season. It's going to be real fun. Um, yeah. All right, let's flip it. Are we, I think we've exhausted all the options here. Absolutely. Um, yeah, let's talk about the defense uh, against this Jacksonville offense. Obviously, big name, Trevor Lawrence, uh, first overall pick. Uh, consensus first overall pick, the, the you know, the most – consensus first overall pick since andrew luck Um, he's been he's been the first overall for like two and a half years yeah absolutely never wavered for a second really um you've got james robinson who is on my fantasy team and i maybe have to figure out somebody something else yeah i think melvin Melvin gordon's gonna move into that spot and i'm gonna have to figure out maybe i'll play two tight ends this week maybe rob gronkowski and uh travis kelsey will do will do something for me this week at the same time anyway Back to this game, uh, we've got DJ Chark at wide receiver, super talented guy, has really come on and established himself as one of the better players in this league over the past couple of years. You know, one of those guys who, like Allen Robinson in Jacksonville, these receivers just develop there despite the quarterback play, despite the coaching turnover. You know, they, they just seem to blossom there. Um, you know, so maybe he, he pulls an Allen Robinson and gets a – you know, second chance somewhere else to compete 
uh, don't pick the Bears. Um, you've got Marvin Jones uh, and then Colorado, old Colorado Buff alum, not old Colorado Buff, he was just drafted last year, second-year player, LaVisca Chenault, um, who does a little bit of everything for that offense. He's kind of their X factor. Um, what do you see in their playmakers, Jared? Who do you see as a potential problem for the Broncos' defense? Well, I, I do like uh, LaVisca Chenault, I, I, and maybe that's the orange and blue goggles in me, but he's he is a, a – he is the wide receiver that is, I feel like, completely underrated, not targeted enough. Um, him, him, and DJ Charkman. Like, look, these this receiving core of the Jacksonville Jaguars, I feel like, is probably one of the best that they've had in a long time. But I just don't feel like Trevor Lawrence is the guy to be able to get them the ball right now. Right, he's still young in the league. Um, he's still doing rookie things and throwing I think he threw three picks last week against the Houston Texans and I, I and the other thing too is coach Fangio is is one of the best against rookie rookie quarterbacks because he understands what what he needs to do to be able to get either pressure or to be able to make sure he throws uh, the mistakes he makes those mistakes so I think coach Fangio against a, a rookie quarterback in week two and Trevor Lawrence I, I love this matchup um, I, I am afraid I, I would be, I would not going to lie. If Aaron Rodgers was a quarterback of these, of these wide receivers, I would be so worried about our defensive backs. And, and that's saying a lot because we have a very, very good secondary on our team. Yeah, absolutely. But with, but with Trevor Lawrence back there, I'm not as afraid as I would be if there was somebody established like a, like a Tom Brady or uh, Andrew Luck, or I mean, shit, even a Josh Allen, as shitty as he played last week. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and in, you know, we're going to talk about it in a, a little bit. You know, we're we're a little bit thin in the secondary there, but I think you're absolutely right. I think that this group of playmakers with a guy um, more experienced would would pose a problem to a defense that's still pretty good. But it's just not. I don't think going to be a terribly strenuous game. See, I, I, I'm getting, I'm luring myself into a trap. Game here. I can't, <laughs> I, I can't. I, I, I can't literally in watching the thought process of yeah. you getting lured into the trap. No, and I can't, and you're and in the 11 a.m. time zone in Jacksonville, Florida, in the third week of September, anything can happen. Anything can happen to your yeah. team. You can, half your offensive line can dehydrate by the third quarter, and then what do you do? Like, you know, so I, I don't want to count anything out. I don't want to, you know, the Jaguars players all get paid to do it too. I just, it, more than anything for me, the doubt comes not from the roster with the Jaguars, but from the coaching. I don't believe in the Urban Meyer experience. You're already hearing about how bad the NFL established NFL guys there are clashing with the guys that Meyer has brought in from college. The players aren't on board. Um, it's... It, you know the, the the cracks are starting. You know he's not available to Broncos media this week, and you know if you're following that on Broncos Twitter, it's a whole saga. Um, but whoever's to blame for it, he's not going to be available to Denver media this week. Um, it's just kind of a nightmare start to their season already in a season where they really wanted to project confidence, um, and I think it's probably because it's not working with the coach. Uh, back to the offense versus the defense. Uh, of Denver here. Um, are there any players that you especially are looking at? I'm, I'm 
highlighting Patrick Sertan, of course, because he's going to be starting at outside corner with Ronald Darby going on the injured reserve with that hamstring injury. Uh, anybody else that you, you're really focusing on as a matchup that you like for Denver? Yeah, I mean, obviously, our middle linebackers, uh, two guys that, and I have, I have been, I'm telling you right now, if you haven't been following us this whole time, I've been on the we needed middle linebacker that's going to be the leader for years. And I'm talking three to four years. I've been asking for a middle linebacker, but guess what? Decades. Uh, Johnson Let's and just say decades. decades, decades. Well, maybe not that long. But look, look, Johnson and Jewel. Johnson and Jewel had such an amazing game this last week. I really do think that they're going to be able to stop the run game. Um, I, I think one of the things that the Jacksonville Jaguars, after watching their game, is going to try to do is establish the run game because they have such a good running back in James Robinson that they're going to try to establish the running game back. And I do not think it's going to happen against our uh, defensive front. Yeah. Obviously Patrick Sertan, right? Everyone's looking out for him. Everyone's waiting for him. Um, And and we really want to see him step up. um, Right. We still have Bryce Callahan that we can throw in there. And I'm not sure what coach Fangio is going to do. I don't think they throw Bryce Callahan back out at the outside when they know that he's probably better on the inside. And and, and I'm not going to see, I'm not, I would not be surprised to see more nickel packages this week than, uh, than our base three, four um, just because of that, because just based on the numbers, based on the athletic ability of the guys that we have, I think Callahan being in the game is better than him not being in the game. Um, Sertan is going to be outside on either Chark or Jones. I, I want to see I want to see what Sertan could do because I do feel like he could be that guy and I think this is his this is his test. Yeah, absolutely, and I think he's going to do well. Um, I, I I think that you know he maybe got caught a little bit out of position on one play, and that's what we're maybe focusing on a little bit too much. Um, I don't think. 100%. Yeah, and so I think we've we're going to see. Uh, you know, I predicted the the interception from him last week uh, and didn't get it. I'm going to double down on that prediction this week. I think this is this is the week he gets his first one. Uh, I promise I will not just keep predicting it until he actually gets one this year. Um, but happens next week. Yeah, absolutely. Right. I mean, if it doesn't happen by the Jets game, like what are we even doing here? Uh, I think though, in all seriousness, I think he's really going to show that ninth overall pick status. Um, yeah, he's going to have a great game. But you know, to your point about the middle linebackers, um, you know, Josie Jewell. Again, you know, picked up right where he left off last season, having a great game. Um, I, I still think of him as a guy who's probably not going to get pay, re-signed by the Broncos in a contract year. But if he keeps putting this tape out there, he's going to get money from somebody. Somebody's going to pull said it up. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. I said it last year, probably about midway through. This is the most underrated inside linebacker core that I've ever seen. And yeah. it's because they're just not talked about and because our team wasn't doing well. Wait till we're 4-0. And, they and don't wait till our defense is, is, is again top four and we're 4-0. And then they're going to start talking like, oh, shit, Alexander Johnson, Josie Jewell? Like, who the hell? Yeah, I know. Well, I mean, it's, they don't do anything, I think, at an elite level. And I think it's more a kind of a design of the Fangio system that you don't ask your linebackers yes. to do things that way. The There's a little bit more... You know, pressure on the pass rushers, more more spotlight on the pass rushers, and the the secondary as well. The safety is in the corners, but yeah, the, it's just not yeah, it's not quite what they're asked to do in this. In this a, go ahead, Jer. 
This Fangio defense is do your job. And I fucking love it. I love every second of it. You do your job. You fill your hole on a run and you cover you cover your uh your space on the pass. Yeah. You cover hook curl and <laughs> then you fill a gap or you fill B gap. Like those are your jobs. And these guys do it exceptionally. And you've seen you've seen Josie Jewell shoot through B gap and make a two yard two-yard loss tackle tackle for loss absolutely on on Saquon Barkley like I I think we're forgetting that he's making a two-yard loss tackle by shooting b-gap on something he's not supposed to come in on a blitz for but just read he reads it shoots it two-yard loss on a Saquon Barkley you do not get that with many other linebackers you're right I don't know if I don't know if he stays I don't think a lot of people are seeing it Maybe I mean obviously the coaching staff is seeing it because as many times as I've been screaming from the top of the hilltops to get a middle linebacker, they like these guys, and I think this is why we saw it against these guys against the New York Giants, and and that's where it's at. I I like these middle linebackers. I think they're underrated. I do not think they're going to be underrated halfway through the season. I'll tell you that right now. Absolutely. Um, so we've talked a little bit about the secondary. Uh, we've talked a little bit about, I want to mention one more thing about the secondary. Um, somebody that we have not mentioned and I feel like needs a second chance is, is Michael Ojemudia. I think he's still on the injured reserve. I'm pretty sure he's still on IR with that knee injury. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. I don't think he's going to be available. Uh, I think actually, yeah, he's going to be out for longer than, uh, um, Darby, Darby is, will be back. You know, that is super unfortunate. Yeah, and and here's why. And I'll, I'll, I'm going to explain it why. I'll make the mistake. I liked him last year. He yeah. made a lot of mistakes. He came in there as a, I think it was like a, what a fourth or fifth round pick. He came in there and he ended up being, I think, for like three or four games straight, the number one corner on our team. Right. As a rookie. Because and I feel like at one at one game he got injured and we had literally no rookies or no corners no defensive backs on our team which I think was the most ridiculous we had no quarterbacks one game we had no corners another it was absolutely most ridiculous year last year but right um, right and I, yeah, I do think no, I want to see him come back yeah me too his his timeline was four to six weeks at the end of August. So I yeah I would say right around the same time Darby's coming back we'll probably get Ojemudia uh, back too. Uh, so yeah, but you know he is I think you're right a, a young guy who kind of took his lumps. I mean Julio Jones made him look bad, but who who hasn't Julio Jones right. made look bad? Um, a guy who I think would benefit a little bit more from more reps too, and just it, it's it's a shame that he's not able to take this opportunity to get on the field a little bit, but that's, that's the way that goes. Um, now, I think, and I'm going to shout out one player we haven't talked about at all, Kareem Jackson, who was just his old self against the Giants. You know, really, you know, run support, shooting gaps, everything we've expected from him. So good to have him back. It was, you know, not looking like maybe he was going to be a Bronco this year. Uh, and it uh-huh. worked out that he was able to come back. Just super glad to have him a leader in that secondary, a team captain this year as well. Yeah. I mean, you rewind uh, five, I, I don't know five months and yeah. we're all talking about whether or not he was going to be here and who, who we were going to get to replace him. Are we going to pick somebody for the draft? What's our plan? We re-sign him, which I thought was the most amazing thing that we could have done. We're really excited here at orange weekly about re-signing him. And I think the team is too. He's back for one year. Obviously he's getting up there in age, but you cannot tell you yeah. can't tell that. Absolutely. 
All right. Well, let's let's talk kind of the final matchup on the defense. Uh, our guys up front versus their offensive line. Uh, you've got. Let's see. Uh, Cam Robinson at left tackle. Andrew Norwell left guard. Brian Brandon Linder starting at center. AJ Can at right guard and Jawan Taylor at right tackle. It's you know kind of a similar situation I think as far as the Giants go in that it's not one of the better offensive lines in the league. Uh, and I think there's matchups everywhere that you can exploit. Uh, Shelby Harris, <laughs> Draymond Jones, uh, Von Miller. We're not entirely sure what Bradley Chubb's injury status as of this recording is. That'll bear watching. But even if he isn't available to go, uh, the pass rush was able to get there against New York. And I would expect that to continue. I would expect them to be able to stifle the Jaguars run game pretty effectively. Um, they're just, I think, going to be able to win these matchups more often than not one-on-one. I, I I can't agree with you more. Obviously, um, look, our our defense our defense can't be stopped. I, I and that's that's really all. That's I mean I I can't I, I oh, can't Jared. explain it more. Jared, look, are you look, falling? You're falling into the trap. I almost fell into. I'm, tra- it I'm falling in trap. I'm falling in trap. You're right. I'm there. I'm there. Look, Malik Reed, Jonathan Taylor. You cannot. There is nobody that we put out on the outside linebacker position that you can't stop. Look, Von Miller, and I have said this over and over again, and I'm not going to lie. I went into the last game a little bit skeptical about how Von Miller was going to come back. Like, just just in general, being realistic, right? Trying to find out what is Von Miller going to do on his time back after the injury, after being a whole season off, also being 32 years old. Like, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of questions about him. But I I was watching on defense. I found myself watching just him. I just wanted to see what he was going to do. And literally every time, not only did he do his job, but he did it so well that plays were made. And you can't stop that. You can't stop that. You literally have to run to the opposite side. And now what's the opposite side? Yeah. We, we, even without Bradley Chubb, you have Malik Reed or Jonathan Taylor out there. There is no way you can run away from him. There's no way you can run to him. What are you going to do as an offense? He showed everything that Von Miller shows. He showed... Uh, you know, all the pass rush that you ever want to see, all the moves, power rush, speed rush. He showed that ridiculous anticipation of the snap count. He also showed that thing that he does in the run game that I love so much, where he's just in the backfield after the snap, and you think, okay, maybe this is one of those zone runs where they leave a guy unblocked and, you know, there's an offensive lineman in the second level. But it's not. Oh, the running back is just kind of like standing there because he's like, that was my hole and Von Miller standing <laughs> there. And then it's a tackle for a two yard loss. It's my favorite thing that I see him do in the run game. And that was back to uh, it's Von's Vaughn. And I was, I yeah. like you had maybe a little bit of nervousness just to see if he could really bring it back. And those questions have been answered and then some. Yeah. I, I, but going back to the defensive line, I like this interior versus their interior. I, th- yeah. I think I think uh, Mike Purcell and uh, Raymond Jones are going to be able to get the pressure from the interior side, and if specifically if they're trying to focus on Vaughn, seeing how he's back, yeah. like there's no there's no questioning he's back to his his old self. If they try to focus on Vaughn, those interior defensive linemen are going to have a heyday against this interior against of the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars. Trevor Lawrence is not – I don't think he's going to be able to read the blitz well. 
Uh, He didn't against Houston, and that was something that that was big against him. He did not read the blitz well. He did not communicate with his offensive line about reading the blitz well. And I think Coach Fangio is going to see that. Oh, yeah. Um, We're going to see some defensive back blitzes. We're going to see some A-gap blitzes from the linebackers. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, we're going to see them do as much as they can to rattle Trevor Lawrence. Yep, and and I think it's going to work. And I Mm -hmm. think this is where it's going to come down to. He's going to make some off- you know, off uh, balance throws, and our secondary is going to be there, and there's no question about that. <sighs> man, I, I'm falling into the trap. It's the more and more I talk about the game, the more and more I'm like, oh man, this is easy. But you Jacksonville know, and, is uh, a toxic swamp, and it will swallow <laughs> all of your hopes and dreams. And Broncos country should be aware of that as they go into this game. <laughs> I cannot stress that enough. Now, as we go from that thought into our score predictions, Jared, let's start with you. What do you think? Score prediction. Let's go. I, d- I don't want to be that cocky guy, but I do. I do feel like twenty eight ten is a uh, is a decent score prediction. Um, I, I'm I'm a little bit concerned about our turnovers on offense. Um, you know, Teddy Bridgewater is not my concern anymore. I don't think he's the guy that I'm worried about making turnovers. I'm worried about the fumbles. I'm worried about the uh, the fourth downs. Um, but I'm not worried about Teddy Bridgewater. So I do think twenty eight ten is a and is an accurate score. We hold them. They make a probably a crazy play late in the game. I, I feel like we control this game the whole way. I'll tell you, I'm with you on those third downs into fourth downs because you can't go 100% on fourth down every every game. Uh, you're not going to go three for three with a touchdown on fourth down every every week. That's just not a recipe for success. So let's convert a few more of those third downs and stop them from becoming fourth downs. Uh, other than that, I can't say that I disagree with you too much. I'm going to – dust off my own shoulder here uh, nobody nobody saw that because we're on audio podcast but you I saw it David it's okay it. thank you uh, with the 31 14 score prediction from last week I came the closest I believe uh, wow. at the orange weekly crew and I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with that offensive total for the Broncos I think they break uh, the 30 30 marker. Um, I think the Jaguars see, and you said, and my same reasoning as last week, you said the score that I was going to say for Jacksonville, which was 10. So I'll bump it up to 13, uh, (laughs) 31, 13 Broncos. Uh, it will be, will be our score this week. I mean, I like it. I, I, at at that point, like you have confidence. Look last year, David, fast forward, close your eyes, fast forward, rewind to last year. Wait, think about it. Think about it. Think about rewinding it. because my brain. We're hurts. rewinding. We're, can, can you just okay? You said like four things in like in the span <laughs> of like eight seconds. I'm just asking you to rewind. You're just for a second. I need you to rewind. Close your eyes. Rewind to this time last year. Would you ever expect us to be predicting over 28 points? Either one of us ever I, like on any game against any defense? Sure but only because you and I do these shows in various states of intoxication. Uh, not seriously. Like, I would never expect us to actually go out there and hang uh, 30 on any team reliably, even a bad team. Uh, but that's, you know, we've already gotten, and maybe we're a little bit too confident in this offense, uh, but, man, that's we've got a one-game sample size, and it was a really good game. So... Yeah. There's no reason to think they won't continue that performance against a worse defense. Well, it's not just that the preseason, the everything, like everything put together. We we I was surprised to see coming out of the preseason to to see a team actually driving the ball, like, and maybe that just be 
us watching Denver Broncos football for the last four years. Yeah. And not seeing a not seeing an offensive drive going all the way down scoring in, in four years. So I we're excited. Yeah. And I, th- I think that's the most important part. And I think you should be too. You I think the everybody list- the yeah, with all of us, like we uh, the listener, the, the the fan base, the team, the Orange Weekly ends. That's not a. We gotta. We gotta we'll figure it. out it. We're gonna. We're workshopping uh, it. Yeah, we're workshopping. We're workshopping the the listener thing. But look, if you guys are excited about these Broncos, just know that we are too. And it's not. It's not a blind bias. It's not a uh, Joe Flacco's here. He's gonna save our our career because I swear that year it was blind bias. I admit it. I, I admit it. No, it I, I know you should. Year. You should. But yeah. this year, I re- legitimate. Yeah, no, this is it. Uh, and I'm not saying our faith is in Teddy. I and I'm not. I don't. I don't think he's going to be able to put up another 95.7 uh, quarterback rating. Probably, probably that's the last time he gets that that level for the year. I agree. Yeah, but. and 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 he might he might put up one more, but I don't I don't expect that to be the regular. I I expect. I expect an Aaron Rodgers showing every once in a while where he throws the ball on the ground a couple times, but I do think that this deep between the defense and the offense and the excitement around the Denver Broncos, we are here to stay and we are here to make the playoffs. And you can tell it in the coach Fangio, the, the calls, he knows what's riding on this, on this, on this. A Teddy Bridgewater knows what's riding on the season. Von Miller knows what's riding on the season. There's a lot of excitement around the Denver Broncos for us. Uh, national media might hold us down, and I'm actually okay with that. I want the national media to forget about us for as long as possible. Yeah, because once we start making national, uh, you know, these national broadcasts, we'll see what happens. But um, yeah. I'm, I'm excited for this team, dude. Yeah, me too. Legitimate excitement. I think we are both on the same page there. Uh, any final thoughts? Any closing things before we we wrap this one up, buddy? If if we lose this Jacksonville game, do I do I need to make that like a like a declaring statement, like I will take my shirt off. I'll I'll be shirtless for the next Orange Weekly episode, the Bourbon Broncos No BS episode. No, because I think everybody will be so eager to move on from the Jacksonville game that we don't need to see you do anything if they lose you're the right. Jacksonville game. Let's just start okay, talking right. about the Jets game and forget that there is a place called Jacksonville, a terrible, terrible place, which to which people should not go. And to which we hope, or from which we hope, our team escapes with a win, but also their lives. Look, I, I don't think we should lose this game. Yeah, and, and listen in as Saturday comes around. Uh, please listen to the Ragers podcast. Make sure you're subscribing to the Ragers podcast because we we went four zero last week, big time, big time four zero. Or we're starting off the season hot, and it's because we know the Denver Broncos. We know football, and and we're going to be able to get you the bets that we see. And uh, you know we're not going to win them all, but four and zero is a great start. So make sure you're tuning in the Rangers podcast because we're going to talk about a lot of these matchups there um, on whether or not we should go over and under on some of these. Yeah. Ultimately, yeah. I, yeah. there's no way we should lose this game, right, Dave? Yeah, absolutely not. There's just it's it's a thing, you know. We we've said it before. Don't fall into the trap. Uh, you should win this game. Doesn't mean you win will will win this game. Um, but yeah, this is certainly one you have to think the Broncos are favored for a reason. Um, so yeah, it's. I don't think we've 
got anything left to say about how great the Broncos are, how great we are. No. Yeah, I think we've covered just about all of it. With this. a what? With a what? With a go Broncos. Go Broncos. Orange Weekly, fans, brews, and Broncos news.